We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hi guys, and welcome back to the episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is episode 28. We're going to be breaking everything that went down in Athens, Georgia on Saturday afternoon and previewing the Gamecocks game this coming Saturday against the Florida Gators. But first, before we get into all that, if you do want to follow the show, uh, of course, as always, be sure to check us out on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Be sure to go there, rate, subscribe, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like about the show. We appreciate all the feedback, as always. Uh, again, check us out on our Twitter account, at Armchair Car. That's going to be at Armchair S-C-A-R, all of our latest breaking tweets there. We have a lot of breaking news that comes out on our Twitter account as well. Uh, also, check, check us out on Instagram, at Armchair S Carolina, um, as well as armchairallamericans.com. Again, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair Americans. Uh, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com. Check out all of our latest breaking Gamecock news stories, the show, of course, uh, and all of our other stories there as well. So, as always, again, I'm joined – I'm your uh, host, Chris Phillips, joined, as always, again, by my colleague, Tyler Clark. Uh, Tyler, I know that neither of us went to Athens for the game Saturday, but obviously a very interesting game, a lot of of takes over the weekend. I know I talked to you a little bit off air um, before the show and over the weekend, but – Obviously, want to get your initial reactions. The Gamecocks go to Athens, Georgia, put up a pretty decent fight, uh, cover the Vegas spread. If you if you're into that, that was 24. They lose the game 24 to 10. Uh, but talk about your overall reaction from the game and kind of how you're feeling moving into this week. It's it's another one of those situations where it it's like we we're talking about earlier this year, where you see the record and you're happy about it, but the way it happened, you're not so excited about. And that's the way I felt about the game. I didn't think South Carolina would cover. Um, they ended up covering, but then you watch the game, you're like, man, they had they had every chance uh, to win that game. So you're kind of left disappointed, I guess. That's the way I feel. Disappointed that uh, they couldn't take advantage of some opportunities they were, they were given. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I was going to say I kind of feel the same way. I mean, it was kind of one of those weird games where, I mean, you were watching it, and I mean, you know, I'm – I think we talked a little bit last week. I'm a really, really optimistic fan. You know, I come into every game just feeling like, you know, South Carolina's got a really good shot to win. You know, if, if South Carolina plays their game, they've got a shot to win. And uh, especially South Carolina, Georgia, a game that's always been close. I mean, even when South Carolina had their years where they were just, you know, they just weren't very good. And Georgia had these loaded, stacked, talented teams. South Carolina always seemed to come into that game, give Georgia really all they could handle and more, even if the Bulldogs won the game. Um 
you know, really put up a good fight. But this was a weird one. This was a game I came into, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit, I guess, tempered expectations, obviously, on the road at number one, the way Georgia had been crushing teams. I, I thought South Carolina obviously would play it a lot closer than everybody expected. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. With kind of just the way the game get, the game went, um, you, you know, some of the things expected, some not expected. But, yeah, just like the rest of the season, just sort of the way it happened was, you know, a little bit disappointing, especially with the offense, especially with – you know, the conservative play calling, which we're going to get right into. The first thing I want to talk about, though, Tyler, obviously, is uh, I think kind of what, start, what the side of the game and really what Kirby Smart indicated in his postgame press conference was the running game. I mean, he actually said that he thought, you know, South Carolina had basically outplayed uh, Georgia, but, you know, they just have better players and players like Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, who did not disappoint at all Saturday. Chubb led the way, 20 carries, 102 yards. Uh, Sony Michelle, 16 carries for 81 yards. Both guys averaging over five yards a carry. I mean, and Tyler kind of making it look easy, if you will. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't think uh, Gamecock fans were disappointed uh, in the defensive performance. The only thing you can really point out is the lack of tackling. Um, it was it was a really bad, bad effort. Um, but then you realize you're playing two of some of the best running backs in the country. So – I don't really know where yeah, you're I think I'm going to give – yeah, I was just going to say, I think I'd give the credit more to – because I agree with you, the tackling was sloppy, but i definitely give the credit to Georgia because, I mean, there were – there was one play in particular I remember that, you know, I don't remember if it was Michelle or Nick Chubb, but they put Sky Moore on skates. I mean, it was, you know, one of the best linebackers in the SEC, but, you know, just put – made him look silly. So, um, definitely had something to do with that. But, I mean, the Bulldogs, 438 total yards, had 242 on the ground – uh, but like you said, just going back, you know, talking about the offense, because I think that's – the defense to me played played well enough to they did what they were supposed make this to. thing – yeah, they made this thing – played well enough to make this thing really close. Um, I think the lack of depth kind of showed its head late in the game, which is, again, something you can't really fault them for. If the offense is able to sustain drives and let them get rest, uh, that's something that may – you know, just may not happen quite as much. But – the Gamecocks on their end, able, unable to get any running game at all. Uh, I think they ran for, let's see, 43 yards. So, I mean, you know, average about two yards a carry. A.J. Turner had eight carries for 35 yards. He led the way. So, unable to get anything established on the ground. I thought the offensive line didn't play that poorly, um, especially in pass protection. It like Bentley, you know, had time to throw. He had a a decent game Saturday. I mean, 21 of 35, 227, a touchdown, nice touchdown pass to Brian Edwards, two interceptions. You know, one of those, he got hit right before halftime on a play, which I don't know if you could tell, Tyler, but it was wide open. Oh, yeah, I mean, a touchdown. It was, if, if he had the arm to get it there. I don't know if he, can, yeah, if he, he has the arm to throw it that far, but he's yeah. wide open. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually a good play call for – God forbid it was a good play call. But, but yeah, just the inconsistency offense, not being able to take, take advantage of opportunities – you know, just for example, you start the game off, you get an onside kick, which was, which was baffling to me. My heart which was, absolutely just dropped immediately. Just straight first <laughs> play of the game, hard. I couldn't believe what happened. Yeah, I can't believe I, Caleb Kinlaw made that play. That is such yeah, that a hard great play. play. To make. <clears throat> that was a great play for sure. I, I tell you, I, I'm telling you, that could have the thing. The thing I hated about that play was that I feel like Georgia was sending a message that they just, I. It was a mixed message because I was like, on one hand, Georgia's thinking, wow, they got an onside kick to beat South Carolina. On the other hand, I feel like Kirby Smart's sitting there thinking, 
even if we get them to the 50, they're not going to score on us. Exactly. Which, That's the way I felt about it. Like, it was yeah, just which, like, we're better than you and we're out to kick your you-know-whats. Yeah. It just – it's it sucked, honestly, to see. You know, you get the ball there, first play, you know, nice pass to Edwards, but then you kind of – you stall out. You go to Parker White, who has had his struggles this year. He's done a lot better lately. Came in the game making six of his last seven field goals. I think he has like a 47-yarder and misses it. And from there, it's just like, well, I, I literally remember sitting down in my chair going, here we go again. I mean, honestly, yeah. you spoil all the momentum of getting that onside kick. I, you know, a lot of fans were calling you. Maybe you should have went for it there at the 29-yard line on fourth and five. I I could definitely see it for sure. I, I could definitely, definitely see it. Um, but speaking of a guy that I talked about a little bit earlier, another great game for Brian Edwards. He, he absolutely went off. Um, just continues to be the most, basically the most reliable option for Jake Bentley. Seven catches, 62 yards. Had that great touchdown catch. It was reviewed. Um, you know, and he, he's not the only one, Tyler. I mean, Ortre Smith had a solid game. Hayden Hurst came out of the woodwork. Seven catches, 93 yards. He had a great game as well. Um, and then Shy Smith as well, even two catches for 28 yards. So, you know, I, w- the thing is, when they're called upon, and these South Carolina receivers have shown, you know, Tyler, without a doubt, even without Debo Sammy in the lineup, they're they're able to make big plays. See, my main concern, I'll just get right into your Kurt Roper uh, uh, bullet, bullet on this script here. So my main problem, it wasn't so much on the passing downs and the, the play calling and the passing. My main concern was was the complete um, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Just getting rid of the speed sweep game that you had so much success with the week before. Just com- abandoning it. That's the word I was looking for. So you just completely abandoned something. Abandoned something. You you run for 200 yards against an SEC defense, and you don't run once. You don't run it once the entire game. And that's what baffled me. And all the runs were just the simple RPO runs, and there was nothing else. It was almost like there was no design run whatsoever, except for the one that was under center. Yeah, trust me. That's 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 how I felt all season. I mean, yeah, jumping right into the Roper thing. Obviously, I mean. I don't I, I know for certain no South Carolina fan or anyone who was gonna watch this game came in this game thinking, hey, South Carolina's gonna win by scoring ten points. It's just no way. And you know, this this offense should definitely be capable of scoring twenty four points. I don't care if they're playing Georgia or not. Um but yeah, it's I agree with you. It's it's extremely disheartening to watch the South Carolina offense and they get you know, they get in this shotgun formation, you know, you have the running back to your right side and I told the people I was watching the game with, and I've said it every game, and I'll continue to say it. Every time you see Hayden Hurst come in motion or the tight end come in motion, it's like, here, here it comes. Like, I mean, it's just that easy to see. And I'm sitting there like, I get it's an RPO, but there has to be some creativity with the running game where it's like, this is going to be a running play, but it's a different kind of running play. Like, it's a, it's a, where is the counter? Like, do we run counters? Like, and you see what there- Georgia does with their, with their running backs. I'm not saying we have Nick Chubb in the backfield. They're so creative. They run counters. They run sweeps. They run speed options. They run straight up the middle. You know, everything. You see everything, and it forces the defense to just account for every single part of the field. And that's, that's, what, uh, that's what South Carolina misses. They have, they have no versatility on the running game, except for against Vanderbilt. It just magically showed up and then disappeared. And no creativity either. Uh, it, that, that's the thing that kills me. Like you said, they just they find something that works and abandon it. You know, ban- there was not a single speed sweep. Like there's there's no reason for that. I, I don't the Kurt Roper thing. It just feels like I'm beating a dead horse over and over again. But it's just so true. I mean, you know, fans want to make excuses for why the plays didn't work, and I I get it. I get that. 
South Carolina's full of freshmen, sophomores, and South Carolina's been banged up in the offensive line, but they've got their guys back now. They they have talented players at running back. Where's Tyson Williams? Still, where is Tyson Williams at? You know, why is A.J. Turner not being used more effectively? You know, why did it take this long for Hayden Hurst to have a really good game? I mean, it's just you can keep going and going. But South Carolina, I just thought – I mean, I didn't expect them to be able to run up, run wild against Georgia, but they just really abandoned the run game really, really early. And it's because of the simple fact that – another thing I, I thought about too, what happened to Jake Bentley keeping the ball? I, I mean, I watched a couple of plays where he – it was there. I mean, it was definitely there. I don't know if they're just telling him not to keep it or kind of what the deal is, but this lack of creativity with the running, it's just so predictable. And South Carolina is never, probably never going to have the talent on the offensive line where they can just line up and say, hey, we're going to run it down your throat. Kind of like what Georgia did. I just, I just don't know that they're ever going to have that type of talent up front. It's just maddening because Kurt Roper, I don't know if he, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he can't see it. I don't know what's going on. But it's just one of those things where I have to hope that, you know, I think a lot of Gamecock fans have to hope that Will Muschamp is going to see the light and look back on this season and think, man, what could what could we have done with a really capable offense, a creative type offense, and, you know, hopefully make some type of move because these kind of offensive outputs, I mean, that type, I just, every time I watch South Carolina, I just think, what is their identity? What do they do well? I don't even know if they know what they do well. Here's my, my main thing is, you know, early in the season when the defense was kind of struggling, you could look at it and say, hey, Jamarcus King wasn't playing well or Jamias Williams just doesn't look like he's ready to be out there yet or so-and-so. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case now. They've gotten so much better. But you can't look at the offense and just say, oh, man, he's playing awful. I don't know why he's starting. You know, there's there's something here. There's not just some kind of wrinkle in our offense where they're bad players playing. It's, it's not happening. So that's, that's how I, I've – Come to my conclusion, it's not the players' fault uh, that we yeah. rush for 40 yards a game. I mean, bad scheme can make good players look average for sure. And another, you made another good point there, though, is like those defensive players, even the ones that were struggling or maybe were thrown in the fire early, those players have gotten better. DeMarcus I mean, King looks like a completely different football player. Right. He's gotten a ton better. And the offense doesn't seem to be making any progress whatsoever. I mean, yes, you know, against – Really, I mean, I want to say Arkansas, not even really Arkansas, though. But Van, you know, Vanderbilt, you had a good, you know, you had a good game, but it's Vanderbilt. With all due respect to the yeah. Commodores, I mean, it's not Georgia. And you can't come – you just got to have a game plan. I just don't – I don't I, – like I said, I feel like South Carolina just lacks an offensive coordinator It's going to have them have an identity. Like, what is the identity? RPO, and you just guess whether you're going to run or pass? That's not a good offensive identity to run with. I know everyone's in love with the, the RPO system and – you know, we have a runner pass option, but when you have multiple options, I feel like you don't have any options because you don't know what you're going to do. You, you don't know what you're good at. That, that's the kind of thing that gets me is like, it's like if you have two good quarterbacks, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. This to me, it's just like the RPO. Like I understand the concept and it's great to have in the playbook, but the entire offense shouldn't be circ- circled around RPO because you're, you're just not committed to anything. So I don't know. I Like I said, I just think, you know, South Carolina's offense, I had a fan tweet it to me. I forgot exactly. I think they're 115th in the country in total offense. Yep. And with Kurt Roper at the helm, it's just not going to change. I mean, what in the world has have, have fans or anyone seen 
from Kurt Roper to think that after year two, going into year three, like it's going to change. Like it's, it's not, it's always going to be frustrating to watch and, you know, not be very creative and be too conservative as well. So I think I saw a stat yesterday. I think it it was accounting for touchdowns scored in the last year and a half since this staff's been here. And in the SEC, I think we, we had scored 60 touchdowns and that's good for 13th in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and, and South Carolina six and three this year. Yeah, with the loss of them. I mean, I think I think everybody can agree that if South Carolina had an offense that was put in a good position and was capable, I mean, the <laughs> odds of being eight and one are very, very realistic. Yeah. But you know, nonetheless, South Carolina, like I said, looks better than expected. Just the way that it happened, the defense, you know, play their tails off once again. They continue to improve under Will Muschamp. Like I said, this is a unit that, like I said, they continue to grow every single week. Jamarcus King looks like a completely different player. Uh, Sky Moore led the way with 10 tackles, actually took the uh, overall tackle lead, 67 to 66. T.J. Brunson right behind him. But Sky Moore looking to uh, lead the Gamecocks, be the only player ever in school history to lead South Carolina all four years of playing in tackles. So, that you know, Gamecocks are going to miss him a lot next year. Um, but the other thing I was going to mention, by the way, two things I was going to mention, Tyler. One, uh, Jake Fromm did prove he could throw. And, you know, not that he made these outstanding, miraculous throws. He had a couple that really – He made some pretty made. outstanding throws. He, he made some pretty outstanding I'm, – I'm saying, like, it wasn't oh, like – Oh, yeah, he didn't light it up. You know, there was some – not every single throw was, like, th- threading the needle. But I'll, I'll tell you, actually, speaking of one of his throws, what did you think about the touchdown that was not a touchdown that was reversed to a touchdown for Georgia? No, I definitely – You know what I'm talking I about? I thought that was a touchdown. You thought if that Brian was a touchdown? Edwards, if Brian Edwards' touchdown was a touchdown, then that one was a touchdown. I, I just didn't see how you can call it incomplete on the field and then look at that replay where it's like blurry and realistically say, oh, he, he definitely didn't have his t- toe on the chalk. That's just me. <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying about the Brian Edwards one, but. Yeah. When you watch it in full speed, like we were just, like there was no way he caught that. And then yeah, I was like, oh, I disregarded yeah. it. And I was like, all right, what are we going to do here next? And then we look at it at replay and the dude makes an outstanding play, like almost impossible play. I'd like to know his freaking wingspan because it looked like he was four feet out of bounds in in normal motion, and then he somehow caught it. But, yeah, I thought it was a touchdown. Yeah, and that, that kind of – That's a heck stuck. of a throw, too. Yeah, no, it was. No, yeah, for sure, that was. It, but it stuck with my theme as well. That Listen, I'm not going to be one. That game was lost by South Carolina. Georgia won that football game, fair and square or whatever, but – some of the no no calls on holding oh, for UGA just blew my mind. The the one that sticks out to me immediately was the first touchdown run by Sony Michelle, where DJ Wanham got his jersey almost ripped off and no call. I mean, for a team like that runs like Georgia, I don't think they had a single holding call against them all day. That that just can't happen. Yeah, that, that it just there's holding on every play in college. I don't care what anybody says. And if you don't call it on a team like Georgia that runs the ball every you single play almost. You've got to call it some, a little bit. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, that that one in particular, there's a picture where, I mean, you just see DJ Wanham's jersey just – it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But either way, like we said, um, you know, Tyler, I just thought South Carolina a little bit too conservative to be, you know, the number one ranked team on the road in their house. It was obviously a wild house atmosphere. Um, the defense continuing to fight, obviously, even though lack of depth. And, you know, say, you know, just overall, I know we kind of already said it, but I just thought it was a gutty performance. I, I, I personally think South Carolina proved 
inept as they are on offense right now, I think they prove they can really hang with anybody and that they play up to their competition. I, there was something I kind of saw coming. So Yeah, I feel like that's the way I lean more to it. It's playing up your competition because, yeah, I didn't expect that that either. But they, we, we wanted – our podcast last week, we said get it into just a sloppy, disgusting game and you have a chance. They got it sloppy, but it wasn't sloppy enough. Um, I, I despise moral victories, and I'll never say it's a moral victory. But uh, I guess there are some things that you could take away from it that are positive. Yeah, no, and I'm not into moral victories either. But, yeah, I completely agree with you. I actually told the people I was uh, watching the game with kind of the same thing. If South Carolina can muck this game up just enough, you know, just kind of make it, a you know, for lack of a better word, a dogfight, if you will, um, and just muddy the waters a little bit. They had a good shot. And, you know, they kind of did that in the beginning with the fumble down there. And, yeah. Uh, Red zone, you know, and just recovering the outside kick set it off. That, that, yeah, that as well, they just honestly just weren't enough turnovers. Georgia played right. a little too well, and you know, South Carolina wasn't able to uh, to capitalize on the chances they had. But and the thing I noticed, uh, I haven't seen all year. Did you notice how many tip passes there were at the line of scrimmage? Like, yeah, the there were a lot. Line made their blocks, they made their blocks, and def- Georgia's defensive line and linebackers just somehow just got to the ball and tipped it. There, uh, there, there were, were so a lot. many plays that were stopped by a tip pass. It's like the the fourth down to Ortre Smith. You know, the, the dude just lays out, makes a great play, and gets between the ball. So that was yeah, the other no, thing I noticed. That's just that's just uh, tipping your cap to Georgia's front seven there. Yeah, they're a really good football team. And the uh, the playoff rankings came out tonight again. Obviously, they're still number one. Do you think they're the best uh, team in the country? Um. Right now, yeah. I mean, I think you kind of – for their resume, I think you kind of have to say that. I mean, I, agree. I definitely think they would uh, have a really, really good shot against Alabama for sure. So, Alabama I just don't know if Alabama's been tested. Great but, one. yeah, it's going to be a game for the ages. But, uh, you know, we'll have to wait till December for that one. But um, giving away some game balls, uh, I'll start on offense. I, I mentioned him earlier. Tight end Hayden Hurst, though, kind of finally broke out. Had a pretty big game, seven catches, 93 yards. Um, so definitely want to give him some props for that. Defense, I had a guy we won't talk about quite nearly as much, but I picked uh, defensive back Steven Montag. He had he actually forced the fumble in that opening drive. Um, a guy that really has just been solid for South Carolina all season, just really comes in, plays hard. Uh, seems to be to have a knack for the big play. So I'm going to give my ball game ball on defense to, uh, to Montag. All right, on offense, I'll go Brian Edwards. I don't know his stats. I think it was like seven catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but, yeah, if you don't score that touchdown, I don't know if South Carolina scores there in, in the red zone. Um, and 24-10 looks a lot better than 24-3. to <laughs> So, yeah. just having him to, you know, make a big play like that, you have to make big plays like that against the number one team in the country. And uh, he stepped it up. And then on defense, I got to go Sky Moore just for leading the team in tackles. You know, getting in there and tackling guys that you almost have no business tackling because they're so good. Um, so I'll get the Scott Moore. Yeah, and mentioning Brian Edwards, you know, big time players make big time plays and big games, and that there that was go. a big time play. That was a that was a heck of a heck of a catch. So I'm glad he's coming back next year. Um, tweet the Gamecocks host the Florida Gators Saturday at Williams Bryce Stadium. It's a noon kickoff on SEC Network in Columbia. Um, the Gamecocks are actually a seven and a half point favorite in this one over under set at 45 and a half. Uh, the Gators do lead the all time series 26, eight and three. And the last time they met the Gators won last year in Gainesville in what was sort of a sloppy game. Um, Gators won 20 to seven, uh, against South Carolina and Will Muschamp's return. 
uh, the swamp. So Florida actually has a new head coach, interim head coach, if you will, Randy <laughs> Shannon. Uh, he is the head coach after Florida relieved. Um, I'm always forgetting his name. Um, Jim McElwain. Jim McElwain. I'm just throwing a blank there. Already relieved Jim McElwain of his duties. Um, the Gators coming in this game three and five, three and four overall in the conference, but coming off an absolute shellacking they faced at Missouri. I don't know if if anybody saw that coming, but the Gators absolutely got pummeled in Gainesville, Florida. Tyler, you know, Florida comes in this game. Obviously, South Carolina opening seven-and-a-half-point favorite first. Off. I don't know if Gamecock fans, including myself, expected kind of that big of a spread. But this Florida program's in a ton of turmoil. I mean, they've had the Jim McElwain situation. They've had, um, you know, Malik Zaire being start name starting quarterback and Felipe Franks kind of go, going off of that. They've just got a lot of drama going on within their program right now. They're, they're down and out. Um, my biggest question to you is, you know, important is it for South Carolina to kind of come out and start fast? And what, what does South Carolina overall need to do to make that continue on Saturday and sort of maybe continue what Missouri, you know, started in, in the other Columbia? I don't know. I've had this take several times this year. I think I had it against Missouri, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas, that Florida is just not good. So if you don't go out there and just, you know, pound it, whether it's through the air or on the ground, you know, just, just run away with the game and, and don't don't let Florida end the game at any at any opportunity because, you know, they just got smoked by Missouri. And I don't care how bad you are. After you get smoked by Missouri, who is just abysmal, um, <laughs> if the competitive nature in you doesn't want to go out and win the next week, then you're playing the wrong sport. So, Florida, I don't think Florida's just completely given up like Florida State has. But, um, yeah, South Carolina's going to have to come out and pound it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, Florida's still got decent players, but, yeah, that the the status, kind of the mental status of that program is, is really an interesting state. You know, like I mentioned, Gators, they named, you know, Malik Zaire the starting quarterback. Uh, be fans or maybe I know Zaire himself probably felt like they should have done uh, way earlier. Um, but Zaire kind of brings a different element to their offense. You know, obviously he was uh, the quarterback at Notre Dame, I think two years ago, can, has yeah. more of a running ability, if you will, than maybe Felipe Franks had. Um, but, you know, I thought it was really interesting, Tyler, you know, obviously the Florida Ga- former Florida Gators coach, but he came out and reminded, you know, he, he said that he reminded his players just kind of how, you know, even though Florida's down and out and, and not in a good spot right now. I mean, South Carolina got pushed around by these guys last year. 20 to 7 really wasn't even that close. I mean, it was 20 to nothing, I think, going to uh, the fourth quarter, and the Gamecocks got a late score there. But um, that I, mean, I remember very clearly that was a game that South Carolina, a lot of people were picking South Carolina in that game. They were a very trendy pick and just, you know, put their clamps on Jake Bentley in South Carolina. Um it's a huge game. Obviously, the final SEC game of the year. South Carolina's got a chance to get the seven wins. Um, this would be their what were their fifth SEC? No, excuse me. Their yeah, their fifth SEC win. So it'd be a chance. Thanks. Five right. and three in the conference. Yeah, oh, I believe so. Yeah, they're yeah they're. So you could have a winning season or a five hundred season in conference. That's that's huge. Gonna six and three, four and three overall in the conference. So wow. Uh, you're going to be 500 or 5 and 3. I don't think South Carolina's been over 500 in league play since 2013. So, um, you know, def- definitely 5 and 3 is a lot better than 4 and 4, we'll say. Um, yeah. Home games, like I said, again, 
chance to get seven wins, kind of continue, you know, to build at least. I think this is a huge, huge game. You know, a lot of people, you know, I've heard a lot of people with their hot takes basically saying, you know, uh, thinking South Carolina is not that good due to the schedule and the SEC's down and stuff. Well, just because the rest of the SEC's down, it's that means South Carolina needs to take advantage of it. And this is the type of game where South Carolina, like you said, needs to come out, kick them when they're down. You know, these are still recruiting battles that Will Muschamp and the Gamecocks are trying to win against the likes of Tennessee, Florida, even yeah, Georgia. K.J. Henry is at the, has, uh, has a visit this weekend. He will be there. Yeah, I did see that. K.J. Henry will be there. It's just it's just big. Anytime you can beat Florida, I mean, no matter how bad they are this year, it's a program with historical significance that has generally owned South Carolina. Um, the Gamecocks actually have a decent record against them at home, but that's even still like I think Florida's like eleven six and one, um, and you know, the Gamecocks haven't beat them since two thousand thirteen. So it, definitely time to reverse wow. that trend. Um, it doesn't feel like that, does it? It, it really doesn't. I think it's just because how bad Florida's been, but the Gamecocks just happened to be able to beat them. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, so I, I think it, it's a very, very interesting game. A chance for Will Muschamp as well to get a win against his, you know, his former ball club. I'm, you know, I don't think he'd ever come out and say it, but I think it's uh, going on at Florida. At, you know, he left. You know, Gator fans thought they'd put him in such a, or he had put them in such a bad situation. Well, look what Jim McElwain did. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting game. Some of the key matchups going in this game for me, Tyler. The uh, first one I'll start off with, you know, Florida's got a really talented running back and, a, you know, the name of a guy, Michael Pirine. Um, I did have his overall statistics pulled up here. Um, anyways, overall, he's had a really good year for them. He's a guy, every time I watch him, I feel like he scores. He touches the ball a ton. I think it'll be big for USC defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw to stuff the middle of that line. You know, Will Muschamp talked about today that he's been a guy that's been huge for him to take up two blockers on the defensive line. And while, you know, his statistics may not always be gaudy and he's not he's not going to have the statistics of a DJ Wanham or Dante Sawyer or even Taylor Stallworth, you know, with Stallworth even being questionable this week, it's going to be huge that Javon Kenlaw play a big role in the middle there and, and stop this running game because I – you know, I think anybody that's watched the Florida Gators and watched Malik Zaire knows he's not the most accurate passer in the world. He's not the greatest passer in the world. So you can bet Florida's going to try to establish the run and run the football. And, you know, especially after what after them watching what Georgia did to South Carolina. So I think Javon Kinlow is going to be a guy that needs, needs to have a big impact in this game. Yeah, the only one I have that, that you don't have on here is just Jake Bentley in general against Florida's defense. Um, Florida's known for their secondaries in the last couple of years, but I don't think it's very good this year at all. Um, but Jake Billy needs to have two big games going into Clemson uh, just because of what happened last year. He's got to go into a Clemson game with some confidence. And I know he, he wants uh, a little revenge because he had a just awful game last year at, in the swamp. So I think uh, it'd be really big for his confidence just to go out, you know, have a 300-yard day or so, something like that, a couple touchdowns. I think that would be huge going into these last couple games. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think it'll be key for that offensive line as well to give him time to do that. But, yeah, just continue to build the confidence for Jake Bentley. I mean, it's it's going to be huge, like you said. I love how we're we're already looking ahead to Clemson. You kind of you can't help but do so. But, well, if Will Muschamp yeah. looks ahead to Georgia during a bye week when they have an SEC game in between, I can look ahead to Clemson. <laughs> no, no, I agree. No, I, hey, as fans, <laughs> we can do that. We can do that for sure. But, uh, but no, yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, Jake Bentley's going to have to. the best it, game the other day. Right, you know, absolutely. The national competitor in you. 
this offense goes as he goes, and he knows that. So it, it'll be pivotal for him to play well as well. Uh, yeah, the second one I had kind of staying on the defensive side. Um, again, you know, I mentioned that Florida's starting a new new quarterback. If you will, they started last week, but Malik Zaire, a guy that can run a little bit, uh, is going to give Florida kind of kind of what Tennessee sort of tried to do against South Carolina with a little bit a little bit more effective, but kind of the read option ish, you know, quarterback and run type deal. Uh, I think it's going to be key for USC Buck DJ Wan. I mean, he's had a great season so far, has been an absolute star on this defense. And it's, you know, he's going to be kind of in that hybrid position, if you will, kind of keeping his eyes on the backfield and Zaire. Uh, I think it's going to be key for Wanham to, you know, stay disciplined, stay in his gaps, and make sure that Zaire doesn't get any, you know, easy running lanes and uh, they don't really break any big runs. So I think it'll be key for him to play, continue his will play as well. And then, yeah, my last one going to the outside, sort of. Touching on the point you were, Tyler, with the Florida defense, but I've got USC wide receiver Brian Edwards against Florida cornerback CJ Henderson. Henderson stands in at six foot one. Uh, I think what Brian's six three, six four. Yeah. Uh, so definitely a size advantage there. Henderson's had a pretty good year. Um, he's actually tied for their team lead in three interceptions. They've got two different guys that are tied for that team lead. Um, but, you know, as we always know, they have guys that are capable on the outside. You know, they've got guys that are capable as far as on their defense. They recruit very well. You know, I'm not sure how many of Will Muschamp's guys are left there, but, you know, they seem to have these guys that are really, really capable and really talented on the defensive side of the football. You know, it, it's going to be very, very important that Brian Edwards make life a little bit easier uh, on Jake Bentley, you know, get open, get some separation. And it's going to be key they go to him, kind of expose those matchups because Brian's the kind of guy, an Alshon Jeffrey, Sidney Rice type, where if you throw it up his way, and I come down with it. And Ortre Smith, he's kind of getting to that point as well where you can sort of say the same thing for him. I'm sure he'll be that way kind of down the road with his career as well. But, yeah, I think Brian Edwards on the outside being able to expose those corners because I think South Carolina, this might be a game where they've got to throw it a lot again. Um, Tyler. You know, sort of like you talked about just initially, add to the misery is what I wrote. You know, South or Florida, excuse me, you know, is in a spot right now where their fans are very down and out. You know, this is not the type of season the Gators were looking for. Um, come out early, often, and just punish Florida. And really, they, they could put this one away early. I think that's kind of what Missouri did, to be honest with you. Um, but don't mess around with this game, like you said. Don't let this game be close going in the second half. You know, Florida's down and out right now. You, you have, even with a loss to Georgia, you have way more momentum than the Gators have. You have way more to play for than Florida has. Um, so it, you know, you're going to be in front of your home crowd. Uh, it should be a packed house. I think it's actually sold out maybe. Yeah, I'm not, that's what I read. It's sold out. I believe it is sold out. Um, so, you know, it should be a raucous atmosphere. Will you be at the game, Tyler? I will be there. You'll be there. I will be there as well. So we'll, we'll be doing our part in the stands for sure. But, yeah, atmosphere, even with a noon kickoff, I think Gamecock fans are just honestly just kind of anxious to get back home. I yeah. think all any time that South Carolina is at home. But, yeah, come out, you know, fuel, fuel the crowd. You know, don't give Florida any chance to really breathe at all. Um, you know, just don't get pushed around like Will Muschamp said. You know, last year – uh, the Gamecocks, obviously a different team, different team for Florida as well. But, you know, Florida kind of out-physical South Carolina. I mean, the game, Gamecocks weren't able to get anything on the running game again. The offensive line got pushed around. The passing, pass blocking, you know, made life made life living hell for Jake Bentley. He wasn't able to get anything going, any consistency. It's just going to be key 
you know, for the South Carolina Gamecocks to kind of stand their ground. Zach Bailey have a great game, lead that offensive line, um, play solid, kind of build off what you did against Georgia. And then lastly, which is going to help the offensive line and not getting pushed around is creativity in the running game. You know, Tyler, we talked about it, obviously. I, I literally wrote an article today. He's going to do what he's going to do. Roper's not going to change. But we've got to see more speed sweeps. We've got to see a little bit of where's the shovel pass? By God, where did the shovel pass go? Just things like that. We've got to see some sort of creativity in the running game, keep Florida off balance. You know, it's going to make those RPOs way more effective and give Jake Bentley the ability, like you were saying, to have a big game and build some momentum. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of those, Lloyd. I mean, I think – um, you know, finishing over 500 in the SEC would be a huge milestone. Just just after a three and nine, and after what happened last year, the first half of the year, you kind of get beat around. I mean, you could go five and three in the SEC. I don't think anyone predicted that at the beginning of the year. So to go five and three would be pretty outstanding progress. Um, and given given the fans something to cheer about at a noon game, because earlier this week I was like, do I really want to go to a noon game? And then I realized what my like 12 year old self would do if I didn't go to a Florida game, like my 12 year old self would kick my ass. So uh, (laughs) definitely we'll be at the noon game uh, and be excited about it. Uh, And the defense, I think you got to get in Malik Zaire's face. Uh, Just be physical. Um, They're, they're not Georgia. So if you could put up the same kind of, you know, physicality you had against Georgia against Florida's offensive line, uh, Malik Zaire could have a long day. And as you said earlier, uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Well, they've played three quarterbacks this year. Uh, so they're not very good. Just just go at them. Yeah, it's like Javon Kinlaw said kind of last week. I think you could sort of carry to every week of the season, though, is uh, brush your teeth physical. You know, come after Florida and punch him in the mouth. I agree with you. Just, just get in Malik Zaire's face because, you know, he, he's not the kind of guy that's even great. He's not even with great protection, much less – you know, under duress, I don't think. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they attack him. I know that, you know, Will Muschamp and those those guys will have a really good plan for him uh, against that offense. So, um, you know, we're going to move right into it, Tyler. I'll let you start going into, like you said, this will be, what, week 10 of the the season. It feels like just yesterday we were previewing the season. We couldn't wait for it to get here. Now we're going to week 10 in the Gamecocks, like you said, had the chance to go five and three in conference, first time being over five hundred since two thousand thirteen. The chance to go to seven and three builds momentum. You know, I lay out flat for you. What happens on Saturday against Florida? Oh man, uh, I haven't thought about this yet either. What was the final score uh, the Missouri game? You know, off the top of your head for the Florida Missouri game? Yeah, I, I want to say something like forty nine. Or excuse me, it was a forty five sixteen Missouri. Gosh. Missouri held Florida to 16 points. All right, I'm going to go yeah. boldest call of the year. Florida doesn't score a touchdown. South Carolina wins 21 to three. I like that. I, I like that call a lot. I, I really do. Um, yeah, I could definitely see it happening too. If you know that that would be that'd be awesome. I'd like that. Um, yeah, I I sort of agree, sort of with what that score prediction. I, I'm going to say Florida does get a touchdown, but. I'm sorry, you know, with this, no, no, no. I like it. No, I like it for sure. I, I, I like it for sure. Um, this is gonna, this is an interesting game in the sense, you know, I, I definitely think Will Muschamp wants to beat Florida. I think he wants to kind of, like, hey, you, sh- like, 
not so much he shouldn't let me go, but he, he wants to show that he's grown and that he's, you know, on to bigger and better things here at South Carolina. Did you Carolina. see him Overall, the, South- uh, the Will Greer tweet today? The West Virginia? I didn't. What is, uh, what is it? It was some kind of West Virginia thing. Uh, he uh, Will Greer made some kind of awards watch list, and Will Muschamp uh-huh. just slides in with the retweet, just sly retweet, just saying, oh, I've never got a quarterback. Well, here's one. Uh, I'll suspend him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I like that. Yeah. So He still um, hates Florida. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and I think South Carolina's players, obviously, they want to get a 7-3, and 5-3 and three in conference. Be a huge step for the program. Continue to build the momentum of this program. I mean, a lot of people pick South Carolina. They're over-under total, by the way, just before the season. Their over-under total for wins was 5.5. Yep, I, I am vividly kicking, remember that. I am kicking myself. I've sworn off ever betting on my own team because I have to or else I you bet on them you just jinx them so but anyways this is one of the most interesting things South Carolina has a chance to get the seven wins you count into you know you take into account Wofford who South Carolina should obviously absolutely beat even though those games are always too close to comfort you look at eight good you know you, you look at eight wins there this is a huge game basically everything you've done at this point this season the momentum you've built, even with the loss of Georgia, like I said, even the momentum you've built, this is a game where you have to win this game. You have to. Against a Florida team like this that's just – looks disinterested in being on the field anymore. I mean, like I said, they lost 45-16 to 16 to Missouri. To Missouri. Missouri who South Carolina awesome. handled. Who South Carolina really handled. I know they're playing a little better, but never have the type of athletes Florida's got. So – you know, with that being said, I, I just think way too many things are going against Florida right now. I think South Carolina is a, a much better football team than Florida right now. I think that South Carolina will continue to thrive on defense, look for big plays, you know, from guys like DJ One and maybe a, uh, Brad Johnson kind of gets involved this week. Um, Chris Lamonds again, I think the offense will do just enough. I, I don't think it'll be pretty win by any means because I don't know if South Carolina – you know, right now, the, the, every game they seem to play, even when they win, is not really a pretty win. But I, I think the Gamecocks get it done at home. I think they do pull away late. I don't feel like, you know, I, sort of kind of what I said about the Vandy game. And that game even turned out to be closer than we expected. I don't know that it'll really ever feel like the game's like in jeopardy, if you will, where Florida's genuinely threatening. But I, I do think it'll be a fairly competitive game, maybe like a 10-point game at halftime. But I think South Carolina somewhat pulls away. Uh, I see the Gamecocks winning this one. South Carolina 24, Florida 10. So I, I do think the defense is a really good day. They cover the spread, uh, and the Gamecocks are happy moving into against Wofford. So with that being said, we got some listener questions we're going to move into. Some really good questions uh, tonight. Uh, this one first from Reddit, our loyal listener, JS Hokie one We always appreciate you and your questions. Um, I'm not usually one for moral victories. But this UGA game, this UGA game doesn't count as one. What do we need to do to avoid the trap game that Florida has become? They lost to Missouri by thirty. If you're T. Rob, what are your biggest takeaways from the Georgia game? Both positives and negatives are fine. Um, I'll kind of start with this one, Tyler. You know, first off, he talks about what do you need to do to avoid the trap game that Florida has become? Well, first, I don't think I don't think South Carolina is going to overlook Florida. I don't think Will Muschamp's going to allow them to overlook Florida. Right. I mean, there were a lot of other chances this season where South Carolina was able to have a, a trap game, if you will. Um, people might even say Kentucky was a trap game. I, I don't know that it really was. It was I mean, it kind of it was. I just think South Carolina played 
bad. But I, I just don't see the Gamecocks coming into this game overlooking Florida by any means just because you haven't beat them in four years and literally what happened last year. So I, I don't think they'll overlook them at all. I think Will Muschamp is stressing, you know, obviously how important this game is. Um, and if you're T-Rob, biggest takeaways from the Georgia game, you know, you played a really good Georgia rushing offense. I think your biggest takeaways, you have to be, you know, you can't be disappointed in your guys. I mean, they played their tails off, and you've got some really skilled players on the on the defense. It's just about developing the young guys and getting more depth in recruiting. I mean, I think that has to be the biggest takeaway right now. You've got really good players, but, I mean, the way that Jamias Williams has been thrown in the fire this year, I mean, I can't ima- I can't wait to see how good he's going to be next year, like his junior year. I mean, he's going to be a great player, but right now it's just got to be about building depth, you know, continue to develop young guys, try to rotate them in as much as possible, but, you know, continue to attack. Cause I think South Carolina defense, they're, they're the, they're best when they're on the attack and, you know, forcing the offense into mistakes. You got anything to add to that Tyler? Sorry. I kind of know I stole that I one mean, away, think, but <laughs> like I said earlier, I don't know if you, it's a takeaway or not, just the tackling was so sloppy. And I think, um, we'll see this week if it's a, if it was a problem or not, because uh, I don't think Florida has guys that are halfway as big as Nick Chubb. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, there's no way as a defensive coordinator uh, you're not concerned with that. But I don't think Florida's a trap game at all. There's no way because Steve Spurrier wanted to just destroy Florida, and that was that was my first Florida game I ever went to it was 2005. Uh, Line Steve Spurrier playing Florida for the first time. Uh, I'm not saying Spurrier, but he's got to hate Florida somehow. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, uh, this question comes from Twitter at Sean underscore Holstenback. Good buddy of mine. Thanks for, thanks for leaving the question, Sean. Uh, why doesn't one of these reporters ask Muschamp directly about this inept offense we see each week? Tyler, I'll let you take that one. I think they do. Uh, we see it a lot. They ask about the, the poor offense, but Muschamp kind of deflects it, and he's just like, uh, we'll watch the tape and we'll get back to it. And then no one ever asks him again about it. So uh, I think that's just Muschamp being smart. Yeah, and I think it's kind of one of those situations. He's never just going to go roast his guy. But, you know, I, I know that we remember after the Texas A&M game when he blatantly said, you know, we have to have more offense to win. I mean, we're just not going to win with this offensive output we're getting. Like I said, I don't know this for a fact, but I do want to believe that Will Muschamp is wise. To, you know, he, he said he learned from his Florida days coaching. I think he's got a he's learned that he's going to have to seriously look at this and really decide: Am I really going to stick with this guy, this Kurt Roper guy, or am I going to give somebody else a chance? Because if I can't produce on offense, we can't get an offense going. Eventually, it will be my downfall. So I want to I want to ho- hope and believe he's smart enough to realize that. Um, Twitter at Kenneth Usher. Do you think Kurt Roper has Jake Bentley trying to do too much this year, such as protections and reading coverages? Uh, reason is it the reason he's a little off this year, or is it just possibly the sophomore slumps? I know in the past I've seen some players struggle their second year and then go back to normal third and fourth years. I'll take this one. You know what? First of all, I don't think Jake Bentley is in a sophomore slump. I don't think he's playing that bad. And I think to put anything that's happening with this offense on Jake Bentley is a little irresponsible. I mean, I understand. Listen, he's missed some throws. Without a doubt, Jake Bentley's missed some throws. But the that plays college football misses some throws. Every sophomore that plays college football misses some throws. It's just kind of a fact. I mean, it 
it happens. Now, are they putting too much on him with predictions and coverages? I don't really know. I don't I don't really think so. I mean, I don't want to say I don't from watching just, you know, clearly and just watching from the games, I don't think so. I just think lack of creativity. I mean, I, I just think that I don't know that he's getting put in the best position, best possible position to make plays and obviously having no running game at all is not helping him out either. Yeah, I agree. So that last part I agree with the most. If you don't have a running game, they're looking for the pass every single time. They don't care about your running game when they're one defensive tackle can just make the play by himself. So, yeah, if your running game isn't opening up the pass, your quarterback's going to have a long day because he's going to have to look through 12 progressions because there's going to be eight guys downfield covering every single receiver. Yeah, I mean, you think last year. I mean, Jake Bentley, I mean, when he played last year, he had the running game. Rico Dowdle was going off. I mean, he had that running game. And, I mean, really, honestly, for how Jake Bentley's played this season with the lack of running game he's had, I mean, he's played pretty damn good. When, when got when people just know he's throwing the football, so I don't think Jake's really had a sophomore slump, if you will. I just think the expectations for not only him but this entire offense were so high, and rightfully so. And they obviously have not performed up to everyone's expectations. Um, last question: Twitter at Jackson Raymer. How badly is South Carolina going to beat Florida tomorrow, uh, Saturday? We gave our score predictions. Hopefully, points on the dot. 18 points on the dot, hopefully by 50. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see 45, 16 South Cox Carolina. Cox by 90, yeah. Yeah, Cox by 90, exactly. So, um, with that being said, pretty much going to wrap us up. We do have another little tidbit of news, though. South received some pretty good news. Debo Samuel announces, Tyler, he's coming back in 2018. Um, Got to be good news for the Gamecocks. I mean, you know – I'm glad to see it. I know there's probably he's still probably going to test the waters in the draft, but you know I, I want to believe you know him and Bryce Nam Williams have been tweeting all you know talking all over Twitter. You know they're coming back, and I, I really do want to believe it, uh, and I do believe it. I, I I believe what you know Debo says, but huge, huge, huge get for South Carolina there to have Debo come back. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly skeptical too, but that leaves you with three guys on this current team that come back next year, ready to go. That leaves you with Debo, that leaves Bryson Allen Williams and Jalen Dickerson, who never saw a snap. That's three guys that will undoubtedly start next year. Uh, and then mix that with, uh, if you get a couple guys in a recruiting class that can help you out next year, uh, that looks pretty good. Yeah. Zach Bailey's the one other guy I'm worried about. Uh, Zach Bailey comes back for his senior year. That would, uh, that'd be pretty insane. Be huge. Be huge. Yeah. I mean, my only thing with, He's only played if you if you think about it. He's played what two games his freshman year, a full season last year. Was would he missed four games? I think at the early part of the year, uh, and he right. played three three or four games this year. He doesn't have the resume, I don't think, to be you know a very high draft pick. Yeah, I think at this point he's almost got to. I don't know. He's almost got to come back. I mean, right? Because he has such a he high has upside game experience, really. To you know base base it off that, but. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really glad. I would love to see him kind of have a comeback season, have a full healthy season, obviously. And, I mean, you just, you know, start to think about Samuel, Brian Edwards, Ortrey Smith, Shai Smith. You know, now that these guys, you know, beginning of the season we were just talking, it was Ortrey and Shai. They never even played a snap. Now it's like, wow, these guys are legit. So, um, you know, it could be big. It could be really big. You know, obviously we'll look at that more in 2018. But, you know, definitely good news, obviously, to have Debo coming back. Uh, you know, we wish him nothing with the be- but the best with his recovery and 
you know, expect big things out of him. So, um, Tyler is going to have a college basketball preview coming. The Gamecocks, Frank Martin squad open up Friday at Wofford in a game that I think was planned. Hopefully Zion Williamson's there. Um, <laughs> but open Friday, Tyler, college basketball season's back, basically. I mean, it's pretty much here. Yeah, it is. I don't know how I feel about the uh, the Gamecocks this year, but it will yeah, uh, it'll be fun. It should be it should be interesting. It'll, sure. it'll be interesting a lot, to say of, at least. A lot of new faces. A lot of new faces. You know, you got to trust in Frank, but um, yeah, I mean, it should be fun. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it, honestly. So you know, it was always a fun time. So Gamecocks, like yep. I said, opened up at Wofford Friday night. Um, their first home game isn't for a while we'll kind of look into that and obviously we'll be previewing the games as well but um good to have kind of everything going on obviously we're in full swing of football right now um again plus follow the show go to itunes at the spurs up show go there rate subscribe uh of course follow us on our twitter account at armchair s car uh again follow us on our instagram account as well at armchair s carolina and be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com for all the latest breaking Gamecock news, coverage, articles. Again, check out Tyler's uh, South Carolina basketball preview. It's going to be coming out in the next couple of days. But with all that being said, I think that's about it. You got any last words? Uh, I think I've got everything off my chest. Everything off your chest. Always always good to hear. All right, well, like (laughs) we said, Gamecocks facing the Florida Gators noon Saturday afternoon in Williams-Brice Stadium. Make sure you're there. If you're not there, make sure you watch. We'll be checking with you guys next week, recapping everything with the Florida game and previewing the Walker Terriers. Till then, we appreciate you guys listening. As always, we'll catch you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.